0: Welcome to the Living Ageless and Bold podcast. Each episode, I bring you amazing women who inspire, educate, and share their experiences and journeys along the way. So grab a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, find a cozy spot, and let's relax and have some fun hearing what can be accomplished after 55. Hey, everybody.
1: All right, I'm breaking the rules again. It's the second time I've done it, but I promise it's worth it. Um, our next guest, Jen Drummond, is in her 40s, so she's getting there. But when you hear what she's done, oh my gosh, you, this is just going to be the most amazing interview. So she is, I think seven is just an important number in her life because she is the mom of get ready, seven kids. She is the only woman ever to have gone up the second highest seven summits. And we'll talk about what that is because everything I read says it's actually more difficult than the seven highest peaks in the world. She is an author of the book, Breakproof, and she has a podcast called Seek, Seek Your Next Summit. So Jen Drummond, I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. And you are in your 40s. So, but just to have accomplished... What you've accomplished, and we always go back a little bit because you know we're going to talk about all these amazing things that you've done physically, but you also run an incredibly successful um, wealth management business, and yeah. how you got from wealth management to hiking mountains. We're going to get to that. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about about your background and your story because the thought of hiking these summits came from a challenge from. One of your children. So, yeah. How you know what's your what's your start?
2: Yeah, you know, I think I did the normal start, right? You graduate from college, you take a job. Um, maybe a little unique that I decided to start my own company. And then when I started my own company, I'm like, I'm only self employed unless I can hire myself out of a job. So I set up a company and started hiring myself out of a job so that I could be a stay at home mom because. That was everybody's dream, and that would, should be my dream, shouldn't it? And so here I am, a stay-at-home mom to seven amazing children. I struggled with fertility issues, so it's hard to tell with that story, but um, I went to the doctor, had some assistance. That assistance uh, resulted in embryos. I believe that embryos were life, and they thought I'd get three or four kids, and I have seven, but that's okay because that's how it was supposed to be. Um, it's,
1: that's amazing. I I have, I have a friend who same thing and they tried and they tried and they tried and she had, I think she had triplets. And then in less than a year, she had one by herself and the, or the doctor said, this will never happen again. Let's put you back on long story short. She ended up with six kids in like less than three years. So yeah. Yeah. So, so for some of us all of a sudden it rapid fires,
2: right. And you have a million little people that look up to you as mom. Um, (laughs) Which is such a blessing considering the story I had for years before that, right? So yeah, grateful. Uh, I think that gives you um, resilience if anything does, Yeah, right? So that has definitely played into the course of my life with other things that progressed. And so I was kind of at the stage of life where I plateaued. I kept telling myself like, once my kids graduate, then I'll get back to me. Once this happens, then I'll get back to doing whatever, right? And I think we all fall victim to that at times in our lives. Mm And I was definitely doing that. I mean, I, I felt guilty and a little bit of shame that I wasn't fulfilled being a stay at home mom. My kids were all in school. So there are these hours that I didn't quite know what to do, but I wanted to be available. So I just kind of coasted, um, 2018, I think happened for me instead of to me, I was in a horrific car crash. It should have taken my life and didn't beyond grateful that it didn't. Every moment since that car crash to me has been a bonus moment, right? Like things I wouldn't have been able to experience. And so that kind of gives you a different perspective when things show up in your life. You're like, well, at least I have this experience versus not having this experience, which was an option. Um, When I got into my car wreck, I realized I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live And I really wasn't choosing to live life is a gift. And I really wasn't taking that gift to where it could have been taken. So 2019 became a year of like, who am I right? I lost who I was. I was this identity of a mom. I didn't even know what my favorite color was. If you asked me what I wanted to eat, it'd be like leftover chicken nuggets. I don't know. So 2019,
1: yeah, just real quick. You're telling a story that so many women and we do, ha- we skew a little bit older. So now we're empty nesters looking back on, did I lose myself? Did I? And then those of us who work like I did, I chose, you know, a life of entrepreneurship. You have that guilt too, yes. because I wasn't there. So it's, I think as a mom, it's just an eternal. No matter what you do, there's it's mom guilt.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it just comes in different packages, but it's the same yeah. layer, right? And yeah. it's just what are you missing? What are you not contributing? What are you doing? What are you not doing? Da 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 da. So, 2019 really that car accident really gave me permission to say, you know what? I need to do what feels right to me. Society's going to have its version of what's right. But who is society anyways, right? I mean, it's a conglomerate of things. It's not any individual one of us. They're saying, they, who are they? Who are they? They, say, right? like yeah. they, the <laughs> they, the mysterious they. And like the reality was, I sat there and I'm like, you know what? All the they's are going to die too. So what do the they's care, right? Like if we're all going to die, I might as well do what I want to do. And that really gave me permission to lean into my authentic self. And I started asking questions like, what do I want to do before I die? What is my legacy? Who am I? What do I want to be known as? How do I even find out what that is? And so I started making this master bucket list. And in 2020, I was turning 40, which, you know, when we hit these banner years, all of a sudden it's a wake up call and kind of like, wow, this happened already. And when I was turning 40, I'm like, okay, I want to do something epic for my 40th birthday to launch this next decade and be like, you know what? The thirties, I was kind of asleep at the wheel. The forties, like I am owning, I'm owning this decade. I have time. So I looked at my list of things and climb a mountain stood out. I live in park city. So I'm surrounded by mountains that are ski Hills. Um, I knew if I was getting older, climbing a mountain would be harder. So I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to climb a mountain. So I asked friends that were into mountaineering. If you could climb one mountain in the whole world, like anywhere, what mountain would you climb? And the general consensus was a mountain named Ama de Blom. And I had never heard of it before, but my friend's like, you know, that's the mountain. That's the Paramount Pictures logo. So every single time you go to a movie the rest of your life, you're going to be like, I climbed that mountain that that the stars are circling, Right. And so I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect. And so I started training for Ama De Blom and COVID hit, right? So I'm not going anywhere. And in fact, now I'm a homeschool teacher to seven children because seven, like, oh, shut down, right? So I'm <laughs> Wait, like- I think we
1: have to pause for a minute on that one. How
2: old were your seven during that time? Oh, that's okay. Rewind three years. So 14 to seven. Wow.
1: So yeah. you're you're doing- reading, beginning, reading, writing, and you're trying to, trying to help with high school math, (laughs) Right. I remember. remember I'm like, like,
2: thank goodness for Khan Academy.
1: Like if anybody has,
2: I mean, that thing is a lifesaver.
1: Yeah. Um, Wow.
2: crazy. No, it was. So I was doing the homeschooling thing. And of course I was, I mean, you know, we look back and we do things differently. I would have been like, let's just take a sabbatical. But instead I'm like, we're doing this. Like we're going to do our math. Right. So one day one of my kids is struggling and I'm doing that parent pep talk. Like we do hard things. We've got this. You're going to get it done. And my son looks up at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I'm like, honey, it's I'm a not I'm a dumb blonde, but thank you. Let's look at Everest when you're done with your homework. (gasps) Wow. So I know, right? I mean, like, so typical of children, right? And I'm sure that's how he heard it. Like, I don't even think he was trying to be funny about it. Like, I think that's what he heard. And so we looked at Everest and he went to bed and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? If Everest is the hardest mountain in the whole world to this sun, I'm going to climb it and I'm going to show him that whatever our Everest is, we can climb it. So I called a coach coach is like, yes, I can get you ready. Um, buy this book about becoming an uphill athlete. And I'm like, okay, so I buy the book. The book comes in the mail. You know, timing is so much in life and yeah. what happens with us. Right. So timing, timing, timing in the front of the book, a lady got a Guinness world record for doing something in the Alps. And I just remember telling my coach, cause I was feeling so defeated as a homeschool parent that I'm like, I could have done that. Like I could have gotten that world record. It would have been hard, but I can do hard things. Probably my kids
0: easier things-
1: than at home in COVID with seven kids. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm like, you have no
2: idea. Um, yeah. so, I, and for me, it was just, I'm like, I want to do something that feels good because right now this, I'm just not feeling good, right? Like the news is bad, but my kids don't like me. Like nothing's working right now. And he's like, I'll think of something. I'm like, okay, perfect. Think of something. So a few weeks later, he calls back. He's like, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. I think you should climb the seven second summits, which sounded you like- a we probably had no idea
1: what that was, right? I had no idea. I'm
2: sitting there like, what the <laughs> heck? The heck? Huh? And he's like, listen, it's the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's harder than the first seven. Only one male's done it. So you'd be the first female to do it. And he goes, and I thought about it. And he goes like this, he goes, seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. Sounds like a jackpot. Like, it does sound like a jackpot, but I need to look at it. So I looked at it. I'm like, you know, why not? I've never slept in a tent before. I've really never climbed a mountain, but we'll figure it out. Right. Like, why not? So I said, yes. And here we are.
1: Well, not here you are, because <laughs> I want to talk about, I mean, you don't just train for this. This has got to be some kind of special training. And obviously you were in Park City. You were probably fortunate that you had mountains there. Yeah, but I don't yeah. even know, could, like, what is training? Well, okay, let me back up. How high is, is the summit? Yeah. When so, I mean, that?
2: I did, for example, I did Everest to train for K2 because K2 is the second highest peak in the world. And much harder than Everest. So, I mean, I had to get to 29,029 029 feet for Everest. And I think K2 is about 800 feet lower. Um, so, I've been up there.
1: So, how do you train for that? I mean, yeah, it's got I I mean, mean, um, oxygen. I mean, I can't even, I right? can't fathom. So, so what's a training regimen?
2: Right. So, I did that, you know, technology these days makes everything safer and easier and more possible for more of us. So, I bought an oxygen deprivation tent that I could sleep in. So I would sleep in it and it would mimic a lack of oxygen in the environment, which then causes your body to physiologically change and make more red blood cells so that you can go higher up a mountain because that's what you need to go up high. So I could fake it at my house which was awesome because people who don't have that technology, when they go to climb Everest, they're gone for eight weeks. I was gone for three, which is still long, but like much more manageable than eight weeks. Um, And then, you know, my training, everybody I climbed with, I swear they're professional athletes or they took a sabbatical year. And so this is their year to climb some mountain. I'm like, oh, well, that's cute because I'm a mom (laughs) and a business owner and that's not an option. So my training would look Like it was terrible. I mean, I would literally go to a soccer game. I'd bring a 12 inch step, a backpack full of water bottles. And for that hour and a half that my kid was playing in his game, I'd be the mom on the sideline going up and down, up and down, up and down. Because then I got my exercise in. Or if I was on a Zoom call, if I didn't have to be on the camera, I would be on a treadmill at an angle and I would be, I'd have like a little note taker, you know, the AI technology would come in, take notes. And I would just be walking on the treadmill at an incline and my training, like if I needed to do six hours in a day, i almost never got six hours in unless it was a weekend or I got up really early before kids went to school, but yeah. I would, I would get six hours in, but it would be six separate hours. Right. And then I'm like, well, at least it added up to that
1: for the day. So it should work. Well, they say that works with sleep. So it yeah, <laughs> could be the same with working. Same, out. same, same, same. So which one was your first one? Your very so first did, was Everest. I did then, Alma de Blom first. So you that did the, the I'm one. a dumb blonde. I'm just dumb to show blonde. your son.
2: <laughs> yeah, to show him like I was doing that. And then because I started when COVID was going on, really mountains have times a year that you can climb them. And then also I was waiting for countries to open. So I went oh, right, to Chile right. next and climbed Ojos del Salado for South America because they opened in December of 2020. And then I went to Mount Kenya in February because Kenya opened and I climbed Kenya. Then I went to Everest. Then I went to K2. I did not succeed my first time on K2. So I had to go back to do K2. Then I went to Russia to climb the second highest point in Europe and they lost all my luggage, right? Like Russia was one of these technical climbs (gasps) where I ordered 20 pairs of gloves, sent 19 pairs back. So I had like the perfect pair. Because right. you needed them to be warm enough to keep your fingers warm, but flexible Basically. enough
1: where you could tie a shoe. Right.
2: Right? So, I mean, it was like crazy. I show up in Moscow. They're like, oh, we can't find your bags. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Let's find them. They're like, well, we, yeah. it's going to take us a little bit. I'm like, my, my guide meets me at the airport. He's like, we don't have time. He's like, oh. you either fly home and you come back next year because this was the last time that oh, you could right. ever or in mm-hmm. Russia this year. Or we go to a rental store. I'm like, well, I just got here. I've been at an airport for 36 hours. I have zero desire to go sit in here, another intercom. And so we'll figure out rental gear. So we go to this rental store, which I don't know if anybody remembers at the end of COVID, no one had inventory. No, there was nothing. Yeah, there's no inventory. Everybody got into outdoor sports. So like, there's nothing in this store. And I I rent a jacket that I have to roll the sleeves because it's too big. I have boots that are too big. I have a a backpack that we have to like cinch on so it doesn't fall off my shoulders. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, we're not going to summit, but I'm at least going to get on the mountain because there really wasn't a lot of data on this mountain. So I'm like, anything I learn is going to help me to come back. And just that mindset in our lives, anything I learn is going to help me the next time. I don't have to hit it the first time I can get it the next time. And by like the luck of luck of luck, We end up summiting. Okay? I'm
1: in Scooby-Doo underwear. But that's (laughs) not luck of luck of luck. There's a lot. You you know, what do they say? Luck is when um, opportunity meets preparation. So you were prepared. You... I was prepared. I mean, it was just ugly,
2: right? I mean, I was in yeah. Scooby Doo underwear <laughs> because that's the only underwear that would fit me that I could buy at the store. So that oh was awesome. And gosh. then on the way down on this mountain, and there's times where I butt scooted. Like I pretended my butt was a sled because I needed to give my toes a chance from not hitting the front of the boots. <gasps> I'd broken a toe climbing this thing. And so I was like, anything that gave that foot reprieve. And I laughed because we got down to the bottom. And I'm like, man, we make it hard. Don't we? Like there's times in lives where we just make it hard where who cares what it looks like, just get it in the net
1: and make it happen. Wow. That, wow. I didn't read that in all my research. That's an unbelievable story. It's crazy. Uh, so what is, okay. So that was an abnormal climb, but what, what does a summit look like when you get there? How long does it take? How many nights, how do you stay warm? Like how? I mean, yeah, 99.9% of people listening and watching are never going to do this. So, so paint a picture for us.
2: Yeah. So every mountain is different because of the size of it, because of what's going on with it. So everything's unique. All the only one mountain was a one day climb that was Mount Kenya. And we were actually racing the clock because it's at the equator. So you only have 12 hours of light. And this is a technical rock climb. So you're in a rock climbing gear and you're on a rope and you're doing things that you need the rope to catch you if you fall. And so you don't want to be doing that at dark time at all because it's more dangerous. But yes. So and then I would say our longest climb was Everest only because we got caught in a storm. So we got stalled out on the mountain. So when you have a mountain that big, you can have good weather at base camp. You can have good weather at the summit. And then in between there's storms, right? Because I mean, think of flying on an airplane when you fly, they might be like, Hey, we're going to go to a different altitude because we're running into storms at this one. So they might fly the plane at 31,000 feet and then go to 35, or they might go, you know, so like, that's the, it's the same thing in mountains. Here's the crazy thing. I went to climb Everest. I was on the summit of Everest for 10 minutes. I trained 1,238 hours for that 10 minutes. And I think that's such an extreme example, but we all have that story in our lives. Right. Where we're like summit, summit, summit. I mean, I remember being a kid driving to Florida. We weren't allowed to stop to go to bathroom breaks. It was like, right. freaking hold it. We're getting there. I'm like, why can we not enjoy the journey? Why? Like, right. what is wrong with every gas station visit on the way down to Florida? We get to Florida at 9 p.m. and go to bed. If we got to Florida at midnight, it wouldn't make a difference. Right. <laughs> So like that story just reminds me and I hold it on speed dial, like enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, because really our life is these ordinary moments between the extraordinary events. And it's the ordinary that makes our life extraordinary.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things in your book. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. I don't want to give it all away, but um, you have seven strategies that you learned from from doing these second seven highest summits. Um, and it, it has to be just just full of life lessons. Like you just said, that was, that was brilliant. You're right. They're, our lives are, you know, what's in between the extraordinary. And that really is the extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the book is Break Proof. And I named it Break Proof because it's in our breaks that we have proof of what's working, mm. what's not working. What did we learn? Do we even want to climb this mountain anymore? Or did now this information we have make us want to climb another mountain and give this one up? And so I think break proof is we're going to break, but in the break, we have to sit with that and learn from that to be able to carry forward. I take people to each mountain and I highlight a lesson that applies to our life that I learned on that particular mountain. So, for example, one of the lessons that I learned is big mountains take big teams, right? I think a lot of us take on these big goals. We have these big ambitions, and then it's us that are going to bring us to the top. We need people to help Sherpa these dreams. We need people to be on our team. When I was at Everest, I had a team here managing the kids, I had a team managing food, I had a team managing camps, I had a team like the amount of people it takes for one person to climb Everest. Is insane. And I I use that example because we like to do big things, right? Like that everybody gets excited about chasing these big goals. And if you start saying, "Mm, maybe I should dial this goal back, maybe I was a little too ambitious, I'm going to ask you to pause and say, maybe it isn't that. Maybe you just don't have enough people on your team to help you get and do the distance.
1: Oh, it's such a good point. I remember I was working with a coach a couple of years ago and in a growth phase in my business. And he said, you know, you really need to think about, you know, what is success for you? And, you know, if it is a seven, eight, nine figure business, whatever that is, you, you, Christina, can't do that all by yourself. That is going to have to be, you know, who do we put in what positions to get there? And is that what you want? Or are you fine, you know, with a six or seven figure business? So really figuring out what works for you, but you're absolutely right. You can't hit those huge, big goals if you don't have a team.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, just on a side note, when you said it, you know, it takes the, the Sherpas and t- how many people does it take to get one person up a mountain? You know,
2: it depends on the mountain again, right? So when we climbed Mount Kenya, there was only two of us because we couldn't have more people, um, because that would slow us down. So we needed the efficiency of two people. When we climbed Mount Logan, The first attempt, we had a pretty big team. The second attempt, we went with three of us. And the reason why was because three of us could live in a four-man tent. And when Uh you climbed Mount Logan, there's no support. So every single time you put up camp, you had to build an igloo around your tent so that the wind wouldn't rip the tent Uh apart when you were sleeping in it. So if you had four people, that meant two tents and two igloos igloos are not fun to build. I mean, they're fun when you're five years old. They're not fun when you're an adult and your life depends on them. And so we're like, okay, well we can do three people and one tent and that's the most efficient way to save our energy and do all the things. Um, so again, everything is very situational and it's just learning to be like, this is what this thing requires. And so here's how we're going to show up for this particular
1: pursuit. And that's your hands-on team. Not to mention, like you said, the team that's with your kids at home, the team that's running your business. Okay. Wow. It's, it's just, everything is, you know, the lessons are just so amazing. Um, Give us another one. I just, I love hearing these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, You know, another one that I think hits home a lot is we always see people at the summit of a mountain waving their flag, right? They're like, I made it to the top. Here I am. And it's super fun to wave our flag at the summit of a mountain because that we succeeded, right? Like Mm. that's success. But the reality is, is we need to wave our flag during our entire pursuit, which can be hard to do. But when we wave our flag, even if we're at the bottom of the mountain or we're turning around on a mountain or doing whatever, it tells the universe, like, here's what I'm trying to achieve. Here's what I need. And here's how I can help. And one of the examples is, is like, Mount Kenya was a technical rock climb that I was saving towards the end of the pursuit. I didn't even want to share this pursuit until I was done with it, right? Like I didn't, want, I didn't want all the messy stuff all over the place, but my girlfriend's like, listen, I'm never traveling to these countries you're going to and I'm never climbing these mountains. So you're sharing this entire pursuit because it's the only way I'm going to get to experience it. I'm like, okay, fine, that makes sense. So I put up there, like I'm pursuing this world record. A charity found out that i was pursuing this world record and that i was going to kenya on my list because one of the mountains was in kenya they reached out to me and said hey listen we have an ambulance that we're trying to deliver the funds for in kenya we would love to have you be the face of our charity since it looks like you're going there already is there any way that we can help you and i'm like yeah you know i don't really know that many climbing companies in africa maybe your ground people there will know who the good people are or who I should connect with and all that kind of stuff. And so because I said, here's what I'm trying to do, somebody else found me that I would have never been able to find. We were able to work together, benefit each other and make more possible. And that's amazing. Like It happened so many times throughout my journey that just because I was willing to say, "Like here's where I am, here's what's working, here's what's not working." People find you. You find people. Yeah. Like solutions show up.
1: It, it truly is amazing. And I, I work with so many people, um, you know, with PR, and a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to get my voice out there. It's like, you have to. You have to be your own megaphone because nobody else is going to do it. They're right. not. Even if you hire a big firm, nobody's going to tell the world more about you than you are. And people think, oh, I'm boasting and I'm bragging. It's like, you're not like, look at the good that just came from you saying, I want to break a world record. This is what I'm going to do. And then, and how many people did you help getting that ambulance there? Right. Well, and then I learned about another charity
2: there about a period poverty. So then all of a sudden you realize these girls don't go to school because they have their period every month for about a week. And you're sitting there thinking, like, really, that's the solution? So right. we went over there. We put 400 girls in school for four years. Oh, amazing. it was just amazing. Like you get humbled by stepping into your authentic self. Because listen, mountaineering is considered a selfish sport. I got so much backlash on how could you be a good mom and go do this stuff? Like, who do you think you are? And da 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 da. da. That, that was they again, right? That yeah. was the they, right? <laughs> yeah. The they. And so then all of a sudden you realize, but. They're only looking at it from that perspective or that one fine line or that one thread. There's so many other pieces that create the story that people were excluding.
1: Well, think about the lessons you've taught your kids. I, I look back and I think about, um, I wrote a book and the book, when I finally got my first copy, I had it, I'm in the kitchen and my son goes, oh, that's what you were doing until 1.30 every morning because he was a teenager coming in and, you know, Here's mom, because she worked all day and did the kids' sporting events and did whatever. The only time to write the book, and this is before ChatGPT or AI, the only time to write the book was like 11 to 1 at night when I usually went to bed at 9 or 10, but you make your sacrifices to make things work.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, but yeah, the life lessons. Your kids must be so
2: proud of you. You know, that's just the beauty of kids. So yes, of course, they're excited, but I got back from my last climb. Okay. And I was on an airplane forever because it takes forever to get anywhere. And I come home, my sons and kids meet me at the airport and they're like, congrats, mom, you got the world record. I'm like, thanks. And I go to give like everybody like a hug or whatever. And then one of my kids goes, mom, you bad breath. I'm like, (laughs) and there we are. Just moms again. NBD. We're good. Back to normal. Isn't that so funny?
1: It is. I am. I owned a retail store for 10 years. We live kind of in a small town. So everybody knew me, my family, my kids. And it was a lot. And I, I was burned out after 10 years, 10 holidays. So I'm like, you know what? I need to be with my kids. I need to, you know, you, we talk about making these decisions. So I sold my store, my half of the store to my business partners, my best friend. I'm like, Barbara, I just, I've, I've got to be with the kids. So here I'm thinking, I'm doing this for my kids. I tell them and they're like, what are we going to tell people you do? I was like, no, no, I did this for you. Nope. Like, it's just, it's funny how, you know, we, we do so much we think, but I do think your kids will forever, they might right. never tell you, you might never hear it, but you made a significant impact on their lives and their goals and knowing what they could, that they can accomplish anything, yeah. anything they put their mind to.
2: Yeah. I mean, our kids are watching us, right? So no matter if you're forties, fifties, whatever you're demonstrating what their life can look like at those ages in yeah. those situations. And so I realized like, I better demonstrate something fun and exciting and someone enjoying their life because I want them to have permission to do the same.
1: Oh, I love that. What a, what a great way to end our interview. I could talk to you forever. Just truly fascinating and just incredible what you've done. Uh, so we, we end every podcast um, with the same questions. Uh, one does not apply to you yet. So I'll ask you the second one, um, which I'm so curious to hear, where do you see yourself in 10 years?
2: Ha. Ah, I see myself without any children at home, oh. <laughs> like, right? Like I keep thinking like, there's going to be a day where I'm not going to have laundry or like, you know, like the cleaning ladies are going to have an easy time to clean the house or like all these things, because right now I'm in the heat of teenagers and just crazy And just knowing in 10 years, no one's going to be living at this house full time allows me to enjoy what is right now, even though it's messy and sideways and everything in between, I'm going to miss this.
1: Good, good. And you will miss it because I tell you that I was a hockey mom and sports. My daughter played um, lacrosse and volleyball. My son played hockey. We were traveling all the time, piles of laundry in my house constantly. 10 million pairs of shoes in the mudroom. And now I would give anything for that just to have the hustle and bustle in the house. So yeah. good for you for embracing that now. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much, everyone. Check out, um, Jen's book. Everything will be in the show notes. We didn't even get a chance to talk about your podcast, but we'll put that there too. Cause I'm sure it's full of inspiring stories like this. Um, thank you so much for joining me today,
0: Jen. Thank you. Thank you for listening or for watching this episode of Living Ageless and Bold. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit subscribe. And if you like the episode, I hope that you will give us a great review. You can also head over to livingagelessandbold.com and sign up for information, inspiration, and exclusive opportunities for us, women over 55. Thanks for listening. And remember no matter what you do, keep living, ageless, and bold.